I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi. Hi. I'm Mr. Shelby from 304. Right, what can I do for you, Leonard? Um, Bert. Bert. I'm not sure. I think I may have asked you to hold my calls. You don't know? Well, I think I may have. I'm not too good on the phone. Right. You said you like to look people in the eye when you talk to them. Yeah. yeah. You don't remember saying that. Well, that's the thing. I have this condition. A condition? It's my memory. Amnesia? No, 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 no. It's different from that. I have no short-term memory. I know who I am. I know all about myself. I just... Since my injury, I can't make new memories. Everything fades. If we talk for too long, I'll forget how we started. And next time I see you, I'm not going to remember this conversation. <laughs> I don't even know if I've met you before. So if I seem a little strange or rude or something, uh... I've told you this before, haven't I? Welcome to Syndicate, a film and TV podcast. From our screens to your watch list, we gather to share and discuss your next favorite. Join us as we want you to spend less time scrolling and more time watching. And now, here's your host, Armand Haddad. Hello and welcome to another episode of Syndicate. I am your host, Armand Haddad. This season, we are shining the spotlight on art house films and the power of cinema within our lives. Today's focus is on the 2000 thriller Memento by director Christopher Nolan. To unpack this film, I am accompanied by Joey Hunt, a local film enthusiast. Joey, welcome to Syndicate. Hi, Armand. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's been it's been a while. I think you were on the Dark Tower episode last, and now you're back for more. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you're here. So let's get into it. So I can't believe on a season that we're talking about art house films, you recommend a Christopher Nolan film to me. So I have to ask, how did you first discover Christopher Nolan? Christopher Nolan. I first discovered him through Batman Begins in whenever that was, I think like 2005, potentially. Yeah. Don't quote me on that. Um, but so while I was still pretty young, uh, just in high school, and it was definitely uh, a movie that was stepping outside of the normal limitations of content that we were allowed to watch growing oh. up. Um, but pretty impactful just because of the action and kind of just rich and deep storytelling and 
uh, just the interactions between the characters and the struggle that goes on there within that movie between Bruce Wayne and Raj Al Ghul. Right. So funny enough, I have a similar story. So I was unfamiliar with Christopher Nolan, but the first film I saw from him was actually The Dark Knight. I didn't see Batman Begins until after watching The Dark Knight. And let me tell you, I wasn't confused. It's definitely a standalone movie. I mean, they are all kind of different chapters in the Batman saga. And so they connect with different characters, Mm -hmm. but they're all at different points in his career as Batman and his story. And so you have the origin story, you have kind of the face off against one of the largest villains that's trying to dethrone Batman as an image. And then you have the final installment, which is kind of his retirement, almost in a sense, or his accomplishment in handing off of the mantle to the people within Gotham, even as a whole. Right. Give the power back. Give the power back to the people. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, with the the whole Batman trilogy that Christopher Nolan created was, I would say, because I grew up with Batman. I watched animated series growing up, and I think I watched the 1989 Batman uh, and the subsequent sequels with Jim Carrey and all that stuff. Um, so I really had a fond uh, fascination with Batman and with Christopher Nolan doing his adaptations, I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. Because it's like, one, it's set in Chicago, which is pretty sweet. And two, it's like a realistic portrayal of this character. Because like previously, it was like kind of cartoony in a way where it's like these ridiculous villains and, you know, he has a shark repellent in his utility belt and all that stuff. And some days he just can't get rid of a bomb. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So I was pretty enthralled by Christopher Nolan's directing that of course I was like, well, I have to see his other stuff. And, you know, subsequently he made the prestige, uh, inception. So do you have a similar affinity towards Nolan where you're like, Oh my God, I have to see his other body of work. I would say I enjoy seeing his other works. Um, but I think he, his, his works have not been as strong as earlier in his career. Mm. And I think you see that in some reoccurring themes that he's kind of reusing, even just from Memento in some of the storytelling matrix that he uses. Then later on in his career with some of the other movies that he's made as well. Interesting. You know, I don't want to get too off the fence yet, but I do agree with you. Like I've seen inception. I've seen interstellar. I've seen, Dunkirk and like all his later movies, but I never really dived into his earlier work before the Batman movies. And you recommended Memento and I always wanted to watch it. And I watched it for today's podcast and I was completely blown away. So how did you first hear about Memento? Because you recommended this to me. Yeah, actually this was my first time watching it as well. So it was, it was definitely an exploratory, um, movie watch for myself and so not even just like a rewatch in preparation for this podcast um and it was more i've been aware of that as a work for a long time now and just for whatever reason never got around to watching it and personally i'm just not a like i i don't go out for art house movies all that much and i've seen a few of them here and there and can appreciate some of the 
artistic styles and storytelling that is used, but generally gravitate towards just different types of storytelling or different agendas within movies, probably more so than anything else. Hmm. Um, So Memento I had on my list and just like sitting at my house for a long time, especially recommended by my brother and just hadn't ever actually gotten around to watching it. So what drew you into the story of Memento? Because like all I knew about Memento was there was an element where part of the story is going forward in time and then the other element is going backwards in time. And that's really all I knew about it. That was pretty close to what I knew about it as well, except I only knew about half of that as far as the storytelling being um, told entirely reverse and watching it Mm -hmm. in 2022 you know, so many years after it was actually released, there's not as much uh, mystery that's going to still be in existence there for a movie like that. Mm. Though I'd say that I didn't really have anything spoiled. Not that you can really spoil very much with it being the type of storytelling that gives you the ending right at the very beginning of right. the movie and then builds up to that and why that's the ending and why it's impactful. Right. Because like going into this movie, like it, it definitely shows your card. It, it definitely shows its cards right off the bat. And you're just left with not the mystery of like what happens at the end, but like, how did we get here? Yeah. It's the like journey. Exactly. Because like, have you seen the prestige? Yeah. Okay. So like in that movie, uh, Christopher Nolan perfectly illustrates the magic trick in the three act structure of the film where it's like, you know, you, you show you an object and then uh, they do the turn. And then at the end it's the reveal, the prestige. And then with this movie, it's like it shows you the the final act, the prestige. And it's like, OK, let me just show you and deconstruct how we got there. And it's like it's such a for being a 22 year old movie, it's so innovative. And like for modern audiences watching it now, you're left with this sense of like, holy crap, like one, it's timeless. And two, like it's still interesting and still gives like the, the essence of intrigue when watching that movie. And I think that's the mark of a really great thriller in general Mm. is that as soon as you finish watching it, you want to turn around and watch it over again because you now have information after having seen the entire film altogether that will inform then how you watch it. And so like Prestige is actually one of my favorite movies and I've seen it so many times, but there's still so much that you notice kind of every time you watch it. Um, And there are things that are not even like, oh, I didn't put that together because they didn't really reveal it. They give it to you like right out in the open and you just don't notice because you're distracted by trying to figure out something else or just following along the intricate story and the character development that's happening. Exactly. It's uh, it's the art of misdirection, just like with a magician. It's like, yeah, you're looking at my right hand, but what I'm actually doing with my left hand is the trick and the illusion. I love it. So we danced upon it. So before we go any further, actually, before we get there, I do want to talk about, so Memento, this was Christopher Nolan's directorial debut. Like it, it's not his first directing venture because he did short films. He helped out with the movie, but like, this is his first feature film and watching this, I'm like, okay, I could see why he gathered so much clout so quickly because like, not only is this an interesting movie, it's a well-made movie. Like even by today's standards, like I don't even, I can't even fathom how he even developed this story of like two, well, it's one storyline, but like in opposite directions, it's quite interesting, wouldn't you say? 
Yeah, and I would say it's even almost more interesting watching it after having seen so many of Christopher Nolan's other films, just because some of the themes that then kind of carry through um, focused on what is reality, even in a sense, Mm -hmm. and how much control do you have over your reality or what you choose to accept as reality. Right. I didn't even think of it that way, but yeah, you're, you're totally right. Cause like the movie, there's unreliable narration from almost every single character. And we're looking through the eyes of the main character, Leonard, and he has a, a debilitating, um, disability that he got uh through the events of the film and it's like we're seeing it through his eyes but we're also experiencing it as he basically experiences things as well because like as an audience member storytelling is usually we know some facts and then the character doesn't and that's where the tension is but with this movie it's like we're along for the ride Mm -hmm. and that's where the tension is and so you're left to try to guess what's actually happening which characters in very like in reality, it's almost which characters do you trust rather than even do you think this main character should be trusting because you are kind of just experiencing it as trying to piece things together with no recollection of what happened prior to this immediate scenario, which is why it works so well because you have what happened now Mm-hmm. And then after that, they go to what happened directly before. Right. And as they do that, then because you already know what happened now, it doesn't really have an impact on what happened before because you still are left guessing how do we get to where we are now. Right. You're trying to figure out the much needed context exactly. of each and every action, each and every scene, the motives of each person. And like by, by the time you get to the end of the film, it's like, oh, my God, it's like. You wove this intricate tapestry and I just did not expect it from, you know, a movie like this from Christopher Nolan. So before we go any further, we were dancing upon the plot. So listeners of the show know what time it is. It's time for some elevator pitches. Please stand clear of the closing door. So for those that don't know, if you're selling a movie on a friend, you really only have 60 seconds to do so. So Joey... Today, I need you to summarize the film Memento within one minute while avoiding major spoilers. Are you ready? I think so. That's, that's going to be a tough <laughs> for for this movie specifically. But yeah. Okay, Joey. So I'm, I have 60 seconds on the clock. I need you to start in three, two, one, go. So you're basically stepping into the shoes of a character named Leonard who suffered an accident. He can remember everything that happened to him up to the accident, but he's unable to store any short-term memory since that accident has taken place. Um, It's traumatic events you know for certain, but you don't really know, or rather it unpacks that as you go through the story and learn um, why he's made the decision that he has at the very beginning of the movie, which is also the very end of the story. (laughs) With that, it makes for just a totally unique watching experience that, really captures the art of providing you with the end result at the very beginning while it's still being an interesting story to play out with a lot of character development and just kind of progression from A to B, B to C, et cetera, et cetera. Yes. With eight seconds to spare. Good job, Joey. But yeah, you really, you really summarize it. So like, yeah, the movie is, 
very unconventional in many ways. And the way it does it is, like you said, you get to that A to B moments, but like it's actually reverses B to A. And there's also A to B and also C to D. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. So, yeah, I mean, with this movie, let's really get into it. So, like you said, so the movie follows the character of Leonard and he is an insurance broker insurance agents he's like a bureaucracy man for like an insurance company he's an insurance claim investigator Mm. or at least that's what he was prior to the accident Mm. obviously with such a condition it'd be difficult to hold down (laughs) any sort of job right if you can't remember more than three or four minutes before right now right and i thought that was interesting like as we're going through this movie we find out like his previous life and how that impacts his current life And so we're dropped into this story at the end where he's confronting this guy and he is essentially killing him uh, for whatever things that he has done to him in the past, uh, Leonard. And I'm I'm just confused at that point. I'm like, why is he killing this guy? What did this man do? How do we get to this situation? Because it's truly like the ending of like what Reservoir Dogs or like this crime drama. It's like, okay, like what's happening? And now, all I knew about the movie was that there's forwards and backwards. And in the movie, in the beginning, it perfectly shows, I don't know how he did this, but like he like filmed it and then like reversed it literally. And mm-hmm. like the guns going off in reverse and like the Polaroid uh, is like, um, I don't know what it's called, but developing in reverse. So it's like a clear picture and then it goes to white. I just thought, I thought that was going to be the whole movie. I was like, okay, I really have to focus and like try to figure out, but that's not, that's not how the movie goes. No, that's, that's a different movie called Tenant. That's not even close to half (laughs) as good as this one. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. So, so now you can see some of the similar themes that I was talking about that Christopher Nolan has kind of carried through. I'd say there's been similar occurrences in Inception and Interstellar as well, less than the Batman movies that he's made um, or the Prestige specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, imagine if Batman was like going backwards, like, Oh God, I have to fight the Riddler. But before we get there, then the next thing is like, who is the Riddler? <laughs> that sounds more like Marvel kind of a uh, endeavor <laughs> than a Batman kind of endeavor actually. Right. Yeah. Like a, what if, uh, where like Spider-Man is like, okay, I found a time machine guys. <laughs> I'm sure there's some sort of villain, um, that like reverses or puts time in reverse rather than going back. Like the flash might. Oh, right. Yeah. Maybe like Thanos, because he does have the time gem and the reality gem. So he could make some time machine. I don't know. But anyways, back to Memento. Uh, But yeah, like I totally didn't. I didn't notice that until right now that tenants totally ripped off Memento. Like, can you plagiarize yourself, Joey? Is that even possible? I mean, he does it in a different way. So tenant is actually passage of time that is going in reverse right um against passage of time that is going linear as we Mm. usually experience it yeah and so memento is a little bit different in that it's not so much that anything is moving backwards it's just that the first scene establishes that we are going from the ending Mm. towards the beginning of the story rather than the other way around and so they demonstrate that with the scene that you mentioned where everything moves actually literally in reverse 
And then the movie is kind of spliced and intercut between black and white scenes so Mm -hmm. that you know that those were happening at a different time. Mm -hmm. And those are moving forwards. And then full color scenes that are still moving forwards within their specific scene. Mm -hmm. But you get to the end of that scene and go to see what was happening in this conversation, the black and white kind of chain of events. Right. That split then with the next color scene ending with where you began at the last color scene. Mm, yeah. And I thought that was a pretty strong um, stylistic choice because like right off the bat uh, with the opening credits, like, you know, you're not confused. Mm-hmm. You understand things are moving backwards in color. Yep. And then black and white's going forwards. Yep. So like narratively speaking, like it makes sense because it's always like a B a black and white B color. And it's like the black and white gives context to the color and the color gives context to the black and white because like the color is the mystery aspect. Like uh, we have this uh, main, one of the main antagonists, Teddy uh, who's played by Joey pants um, uh, opposite uh, guy, Pierce, who is Leonard, the guy with the, uh, memory issue so leonard kills teddy and we're trying to figure out why and then slowly throughout the movie okay we find out that um his wife was assaulted and murdered most likely by teddy and then all the other events that led up to him figuring it out and then him being uh used by all these other entities for whatever nefarious reasons um and then the black and whites kind of peeks into his previous life of him as an insurance broker and working on a very similar case to what ends up happening to him, which I thought was super interesting. So who, who was that guy that, so, okay. So in the beginning of the movie, um, Leonard like tattoos, a whole bunch of information on his body. So he doesn't forget because like, what was, his, what was his memory span? Like three minutes or something? Super short. I don't think mm-hmm. it ever establishes an exact amount of time. Yeah. It's just more like if he gets distracted, then that's going to delete everything in his memory that happened in the last few minutes. That is wild. But like, so if you have that ailment, you know, you, you got to have like a pad of paper next to you. You got to have like something to write down. It's like, okay, I need to remember because like there are certain scenes uh, which, you know, the tension is really uh, driven up because it's like he needs to remember something because something crucial happened and he doesn't have a pad of paper or a pen. So he's like scrambling to find like some pens or paper to write things down and he can't. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, oh, my God, so frustrating as a viewer to watch because I'm like, oh, my God, just find the paper. You have to remember. And then some scenes he doesn't remember. Yeah. And that is the biggest telling points of one of the themes in this movie, which is everybody manipulates Leonard. Every single person that he encounters tries to manipulate him. And I thought that was super interesting. What did you think about that? It was definitely super interesting. And just to see how different people were manipulating him in different ways for different reasons. Um, most of them really kind of bad reasons, but some right. of them with maybe like slightly good motives behind them at least. Um, uh, but so, yeah, definitely 
definitely he Leonard, that is Guy Pierce's character. Yeah. Is just traveling through life. Right. Not really believing that everyone is trying to help him that he encounters. But he's at least not assuming that they're all trying to take advantage of him. But you do see, I think pretty much any any character that is played by an actor that you might recognize from anything else does take advantage of him in at least one way or another during the course of the story, which really spans uh, just not even that that long amount of time, like probably only a few days. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we don't really know. Okay, so like the movie events, like you said, only a few days, but like we don't really know how much time has progressed since like his wife got passed, uh, since his wife got killed. Because, like, we don't really know what's happening. Because we're experiencing it in the same way that Leonard is experiencing things as right. well. So it does really kind of capture that, which is almost from the stance of uh, it doesn't even quite matter so much how long it has been since the accident. It's more yeah. focused on a slice of his current life, as it were, mm-hmm. um, as you know, gritty as that might be. Uh, but it, it it never like even I don't think it it doesn't worry about establishing exactly how much time he has before he forgets things or exactly how long it's been since the accident, et cetera, et cetera. It's right. just focused on this kind of theme of manipulation, really in general. Um right. in his quest for really kind of happiness is at its core. Happiness and closure, essentially. Because like you know, these things that he's trying to do, this mystery that he's trying to solve is not going to bring his wife back, but he wants closure by killing the person that killed his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, so going back to manipulation, like you would understand some of the characters that would take advantage of him. Like um, since his accident, he's uh, lived in an extended stay motel in Los Angeles and the motel owner ends up booking him two rooms instead of one. Cause why would he remember having a room to begin with? Mm-hmm. So they took advantage of him there and I was like, Oh, that's pretty sleazy, but it's an owner of a motel. No offense to those who own motels, but, but the person I did not expect to manipulate him was Carrie Ann Moss's character, Natalie. Uh, would you like to unpack Natalie's character a little bit? Yeah, so her character is kind of a, or, or presented as a character in need of assistance because of a bad relationship. Yeah. And um, she's involved with some drug passing from her boyfriend, who is also abusive. And so Leonard is seeking to kind of assist her. And in return, uh, because they've both suffered a loss. Um, she's assisting him in his quest to find the person responsible for his wife's death, mm-hmm. which he has individual pieces of information. And they, at one point, they do get into talking about those pieces of information and how um, he relies on facts not memories because memories can be changed. Exactly. So he just relies on facts. It's super important. And then hails back to 
the tattoos he gets and his importance in writing things down with his own handwriting and um, making sure that any handwriting that he does view, he evaluates to make sure it is his handwriting. Mm -hmm. Um, So you just have this constant kind of uh, tension between what is factual and basically these facts replace Leonard's memory because he doesn't have any memory. Right. Like I absolutely love the decision that Christopher Nolan did with Leonard's inner monologue throughout this entire film, because like, like during those times of tension where he's trying to figure out what's happening and like double checking his handwriting and all that stuff. You also have his inner monologue in the form of narration where he's like, okay, like he's like being chased. Why am I okay? Am I chasing this guy? And then like the guy ends up trying to shoot him. He's like, nope, he's chasing me. Yep. <laughs> um, I just thought that was a genius move because like not only are we seeing the world through his eyes, we're also thinking. Um, we're, you know, we're 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 with his thoughts as well. And I thought that was a good way to one have us sympathize with the character and also get us in the mind frame of like having that distorted memory distorted uh eyewitness uh recollections where you don't necessarily remember what's going on mm-hmm. um so with natalie's character specifically in the first act of the movie we're kind of told that she has a similar story to leonard where she is in a bad situation um she lost i think like her there's some sort of loss going on. It wasn't really explained what it was. And she is helping you out of pity. That's what he wrote down. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, so like she's an ally in this situation. Yeah, She's going to help me figure out who killed my wife. Um, And then as the movie progressed, what surprised me the most was, so like the inciting incident of her side story is like, she instructed Leonard to kill I forget the character's name, but it was like a drug dealer. Um, because like he not kill, but like rough him up, get rid quote, get rid of him because like he punched her in the face. And then as the movie progressed, you find out that's one big lie. Mm-hmm. Would you like to unpack what happened there? Yeah, so I think it's Dodd that she's talking Dodd, about, right? Yes, D-O-D-D. <clears throat> and really so and I don't know how much of this you want to unpack as far as the plot, you know, for go, go spoilers. for it. Okay. So, so we, we meet her and she is telling the main character, Leonard, that this character Dodd, who is a drug dealer and forces her to pass drugs is abusive to her and, um, responsible for the death of her, um, boyfriend, basically. Yeah. We later find out that Leonard is the one responsible for the death of her boyfriend. Right. And so she is manipulating Leonard to um, try to get him basically killed and get revenge for her boyfriend, Mm -hmm. um, but also take out this revenge on Leonard's friend Teddy by convincing Leonard that Teddy is the actual villain and the rival drug dealer because Leonard can't remember anything. And it's even to the point of she's manipulating Leonard by telling him one thing, having an encounter, leaving the room, going out to her car, Mm -hmm. getting in her car, sitting there for 
30 seconds yeah. and then coming back in and telling him something totally different from what just happened. Right. Like that scene, cause he confronts her. I forget what the reason was, but then they get into a uh, kerfuffle and he punches her in the face and she, as she's leaving, this is the scene I was uh, referencing earlier where he's like, I need to write this down. Like, this is very important. Like, she was even, like, mocking the death of his wife. Like, well, it's not even as she's leaving. And what you notice, um, if you were watching closely at the beginning of that scene before he actually is the one that what that did abuse her, yeah. she takes all of the pens from the desk and puts them in her purse. Oh so this God. was not even something that was a whim. She planned to basically get him to get angry at her um, wow, and then just be able to use that to her advantage and then create an environment where he wouldn't be able to remember on purpose. And she even is telling him to his face literally what she's planning to do and that there's nothing he's going to do about it because he's going to forget inside of five minutes from now. Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. That is such a genius move of attention to detail that i did not pick up on she walks in the house goes first to the desk takes the pens and pencils from like a pen cup i remember that throws now. them in her purse and then goes talk to him and you're like huh that's weird and then as things play out you realize that's and then right. as the next scene plays you realize exactly why because um she had already you know this was this was intentional this was planned and as the story progresses further we encountered the first time where she realized that he was responsible for her boyfriend's likely death and right. why he was missing because she, he, he pulls up in this guy's car, this drug dealer's car. Mm -hmm. um, and she thinks it's her boyfriend and goes to talk to him. And then it's this guy Leonard that she doesn't know. And so yep. she thinks she just mistook him for somebody else. And then, begins to put the pieces together as far as what happened to her boyfriend. Right. And on top of that, he's wearing her boyfriend's clothes. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> like, imagine that like, Oh, Oh, it's like some other person in her boyfriend's car, in her boyfriend's clothes. And it's like, okay, clearly he's dead. And like, she's like, of course reacts angrily, you know, like pissed off. And like, she's like, why are you even here? And he's like, Oh, I have a coaster with your name on it with this, you know, from the bar. And it's clear that he has apparently no clue what's going on because like, I don't know how long this guy Leonard rolled with these people, but they obviously all know he has this quote, um, memory loss problem. Mm -hmm. And she tests it by with the, you know, the, 
she starts spitting in this uh, cup for her for him to drink out of. And like everyone in the bar is like spitting into it. He even spits into it and then waits a little bit and then gives him the mug with says, beer in it. Here's free beer on the house. And then he drinks it and like, and she's like, oh, no shit. You are, you know, you can't remember yeah. anything. And so, but to clarify, she didn't know Leonard prior to this encounter. Okay. She had heard of him mm. from her boyfriend. Right. And so basically the setup is that Leonard is supposed to make a drug deal like drop mm-hmm. like he's the supplier to this guy jimmy that is yep. um carrie ann moss's boyfriend yes jimmy g and like the main person that leonard is looking for is a john g that's the person that killed his wife and so it is painted by teddy i know we're jumping all over the place but so is this movie so teddy who played by joey pants um is impersonating an FBI agent or undercover detective. And like, he misdirects him by saying like, that is the person that killed your wife. So at the very end of the movie, the big reveal is that this guy, Teddy, Mm -hmm. whose real name is John Gamble. Yes. He is a cop or like almost like a marshal in a sense. Mm Mm-hmm. Or he at least was a cop, maybe even it would be a better way to put it. And he's kind of turned vigilante and is using Leonard's lack of remembering anything to basically go from town to town with Leonard Uh and kill some of the worst kind of people that are around. And so he has already done this a few times with Leonard. Uh And so at the very end, it's revealed that like one of the pictures that you see, which is really Leonard's only way to like prove something that happened. Yeah. Um, one of the pictures is of him having just actually killed the person that was responsible for murdering his wife, which Teddy helped him find that person. And they did. And then Teddy realized that after this moment, Leonard wasn't going to remember, and he was still going to be on this path of vengeance to find this John G and with so many John G's that are bad, all he has to do is go to a new town and look up, you know, most wanted or find out yeah. who fits this profile and description that he can use Leonard to assist assist him in, in killing. And so the story begins, not the movie, but the story begins with them basically trying to catch this Jimmy mm-hmm. character um, by posing as drug dealers to sell drugs to him. And so he's brought... I think in cash. Yeah. And so they're planning to split the money, Teddy and Leonard. Okay. And basically kill this guy before moving on to the next town and doing the same thing and just making, making money and dispatching bad people at the same time. So it's Teddy's, Teddy's motives are not like they're, they're Mm self-serving, but they're also slightly altruistic in a sense because he's not just hunting down random citizens that haven't done anything he's hunting down actual you know villains and killers and murderers with leonard okay hold up we need to unpack this because like i totally did not get that from this movie are you serious that he teddy was because i thought he was bsing i thought he was like oh i'm a cop quote you know wink wink just to 
So because that part comes at the end, like that's always a possibility. And I think that's where Christopher Nolan does paint interesting pictures, like with Inception, the ending Mm -hmm. of Inception, where you're left to try to discern. Is this reality or is this just what the main character played by Leonardo DiCaprio has accepted as his reality is good enough? And so then it doesn't matter whether it's reality or not. Mm -hmm. So Nolan's doing something a little bit similar there where he's not he's leaving it up to you a little bit to decide or or attempt to discern. I think at that point, because the characters already know that he's not going to remember, there's no reason for them to really be lying or feel like they need to lie because especially in that scene where Teddy reveals this, he's not revealing it to save his life or anything like that. He's mm-hmm. just revealing it for like matter of fact and like for a, for sake of argument conversation with Leonard, you know, as far as Leonard realizes that he just killed somebody who was not the guy that he's trying to hunt down and kill. Mm-hmm. And so Teddy reveals, he's like, well, what does it matter? Like you still get that same feeling. And tomorrow you're not even going to remember that you killed this guy or that you killed the actual guy, you know, two years ago. Yeah. And that you've done this so many times since then. And so it's at that point that really we see Mm -hmm. the true master manipulator behind everything is actually Leonard himself because he has all these photos that are his facts and Uh these tattoos that are also these facts from the case. And so the photos are his facts for like everyday life where he lives what his car is, um, who he knows, anything like that. And so we see about halfway through the movie, a corner of a burned Polaroid. Yes. Earlier in the movie, we hear the character Leonard mention the only way to destroy a Polaroid is to burn it. Yes. And so it is a very symbolic annihilation of his memories at that point as well. Because the we learn then at the very end of the movie, the burned Polaroid was the picture of him having finally killed the guy or so he thought um, that was responsible for his wife's death. It's also at that point, at the very end of the movie, that he decides to take a picture of this drug dealer's car and say, this is my car. He puts on the drug dealer's clothes, knowing that when he next starts to remember things. He will just think these are his clothes and his lifestyle, etc. And then he also makes the choice at that moment to no longer trust this Teddy character who's revealed that he's been, you know, kind of manipulating him for vigilante justice. And so that's when Leonard makes the decision that his state of bliss always trying to hunt down John G., And he can just make Teddy a John G and hunt down Teddy, which is then the ending of the story. So Leonard really decides at the very end of the movie, the beginning of the story that we're viewing Mm -hmm. to manipulate himself into killing this Teddy guy. And so we watch the entire movie thinking that he's being manipulated even by Carrie Ann Moss's character. Mm -hmm. But really, he's just been setting himself up with additional tattoos, photos, etc., to arrive at this point inevitably. Okay. So let's go further into that because I took it hook, line, and sinker, at least that's my interpretation, that Teddy was actually the one that assaulted and killed Leonard's wife. That because like throughout this entire film, um Teddy has been, you know, don't trust his lies. That's what uh, Leonard even put on the piece of paper or the Polaroid. And throughout this entire film, we see 
case after case of Teddy lying to Leonard. So that kind of builds up uh, the case that, okay, this guy is not good. This, uh, for some reason, he's trying to get uh, Leonard off of his trail. So he's like, oh, Jimmy is the one that, you know, you're looking for John G, right? Got to kill him. And then after they kill him, you know, they, they take his money and all this stuff. So that is, oh my God. I just love how we watch the same movie and arrive to the different conclusions. But let's unpack what you said about uh, our character, Leonard, who, after he killed Jimmy, took his clothes, took his car, took a picture of the car. So this is my car. This is, these are my clothes. And that's where he departed from Teddy to, uh, I guess, go to the bar and meet Carrie on Carrie Ann Moss's character and all that stuff. So I want to go further into that because that illustrates the theme of drug addiction. And like, what are they doing in this movie? They're uh, working with drug dealers. They're killing drug dealers. Um, and what do drug addicts do when they take drugs? They're trying to chase the dragon. So Leonard's dragon is killing John G, mm-hmm. figuring out who killed his wife. Yeah, And... You know, you can never catch the dragon. You're just chasing. That's that's where the thrill is. And he doesn't want to give up that addiction of like, I need to find out who my wife's killer is. Um, And I think that also illustrates uh, when he buys the escort for the evening and he doesn't want to do any uh, sexual activity with her, but he's like, I want you to put these um, around the room. I want you, you know, as I'm sleeping, go into the bathroom slammed the door which wakes me up and he's kind of like reliving that moment of like when his wife died so i interpret that initially as grief it's like oh, okay he's this is like a very intense he's grieving the moment of like when his wife died but like when you reframe it with uh chasing the dragon motif like he's totally going back to that moment back to that uh when the first incident happened kind of like when a, a drug user you know takes heroin for the first time or anything it's like, oh my God, like I remember that moment and I want to relive that moment again. It's just not working uh, no matter what I do. And that is, oh my God, Joey, you just uncovered something. Well, and I think it's more than that even because I think that scene where he's, you know, paid the escort to be there for all of like 20 minutes total and just until he falls asleep and then make noise so he wakes up because he's not going to remember it any, anything anyways. Yeah. Um, and then we progress to the next part of the story, which is the prior scene where he's burning all this stuff. And as he burns it, he's remembering, um, his wife as well and the memories that these items have. And he muses that because of his condition, it's very likely he's burned 80 boxes of this sort of stuff previously. And so he also muses that, you know, he, he, you know, he can't remember anything. And the worst thing that he can't remember is to get over his wife. And so there's this moment right then and there where he has like some self-reflection and realizes that really what he needs to do is be able to move past the events that caused his wife's death. Right. But because his memory doesn't allow him to make any new memories, he can't even move past that. Oh my God. And so that's about midway through the story. And then at the beginning of the story, AKA the end of the movie, that's when he also has this epiphany realization that for him at this point in life, because he can't remember 
happiness is just always chasing down this next guy that is his wife's killer. And he can make whoever he wants be that killer because he's not going to remember that it's not actually his wife's killer. And so then that's when he decides to, he takes down Teddy's license plate number and writes it down as this is a fact for the case. And so basically alters his own memory or his own facts by doing that. And then also burning um, the picture of Jimmy. So he doesn't have the memory of having killed John G quote unquote. Holy shit. Wow. That's amazing. That's great storytelling. Um, Because like, so side note with the ending of the movie. So I was partially telling the truth because I've actually seen Memento before. Only the last scene on TV many years ago. Okay. Because I would be flipping through channels and like, oh, I had HBO or whatever. Like, oh, Memento, I heard that's a good movie. So I just, the ending was on where Teddy, like, okay, so Leonard took like Teddy's keys and like threw them into a bush. Uh And like Teddy's like, oh, where's my keys? And then like he, Leonard is writing down the license plate number to get a tattoo to to further this like, okay, so he's actually John G and blah, blah, blah. I just watched that one scene and I was like, what the hell kind of movie is this? (laughs) Who ends a movie like this? Oh, I don't know where my keys are. And I'm like, wow. So I never, <laughs> I never watch it. Cause like I had zero context. I didn't know anything about the movie. I just saw some Joey pants, uh, looking for his keys in a bush. And that's how the movie ends. I'm like, what kind of, <laughs> what kind of movie is this? So, but that's okay. So that's super interesting. Like that. He creates his own reality, creates his own narrative mm-hmm. to fulfill this desire to, find his wife's killer which they kind of set up from the very beginning of the movie where he talks about this other character that he experienced when he was an insurance claim investigator mm-hmm. and how this other character um had a similar condition but didn't have any like routine or anything like that to keep him together yeah and so it, you know he couldn't function and the difference between from Leonard's perspective between you know, Leonard himself and this other guy is that Leonard has this reason to keep moving forward. It's his driving reason to keep moving forward. And so he, you know, is constantly moving towards there. And so that's tied back then to the end of the movie where he realizes that his happiness at this point in life because of his condition comes solely from the ability to keep moving forwards. And so if he ever actually completes this and is able to remember that he completed this, then he'll no longer have that reason and he'll be no different than this other guy that he investigated previously. Yes, and I'm glad that you brought up that previous uh, case. Uh, So his name is Sammy. Uh, So in his previous life, before he became, you know, this uh, faux vigilante killing drug dealers or trying to find his wife's killer perpetually, um, he was an insurance insurance claims investigator, and one of his insurance claims was this man who suffered an accident, and then he had short-term memory loss permanently, and he didn't believe him at all. Um, and I thought that was the overall story behind there was like this poetic justice behind uh, the main character because like he didn't believe Sammy's case, which ends up being a tragic tale and then that ends up you know having this like karma moments where it ends up haunting his life 
forever. So what did you think about all that? That was pretty interesting. And I think that was the first sign that maybe not everything was as it appears because he's, he's laying out this story about this character in all of the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. Um, So the black and white scenes, that's kind of the primary focus of those scenes. Yeah. And as we go through the story, we also begin to question whether the story is actually even true or whether all the characters in this story about Sammy Jenkins um, actually exist. And so the character Teddy, you know, even like points out at one point, like, dude, that guy, Sammy didn't have a wife. You had the wife that needed the insulin shots. Mm-hmm. And we have these different versions of memories that um, Leonard has of his wife, like either pinching her or like giving her her insulin shot. Yeah. That make him kind of question whether or not he's remembering things correctly from even before the accident, which he says he can remember everything just fine um, from before the accident, which is no reason for us as the viewer to assume is not true. Right. But just as anybody in, the real world experiences memory can be a tricky thing and can change with time as well. Or people can remember events in slightly different ways or different things about events that take precedence for that memory. Mm -hmm. Um, So we start to kind of see this duality of what is fact, what is memory, what are the differences between those two and how does Leonard kind of um, reconcile those against each other in his current state in his current life. Yeah, like it further um it's this theme of unreliable narration again because like halfway through the movie I was like you know, when Teddy was like, Oh, like your wife was actually diabetic, like Sammy didn't have a wife, and it's like, Okay, uh is this true? Like for a hot second, I was like, wait a minute. Has this all been a lie? But I was like, No, it can't be a lie. Because Teddy lied. Don't believe his lies. And like, now that you lay it, you know, out like this, it's like, okay, clearly maybe Leonard is justifying his life now and like trying to like piece together, you know, fragments of like his past uh, to somehow uh, make sense of his current reality. It's very interesting. And like you said, uh, Christopher Nolan doesn't lay it, lay out you know, the full picture for us. And that's why we're talking about it right now, because like, you know, you're on the camp of like, this is all a fabrication. It's probably not true. While I'm like, you know, I like to believe. I want to believe. Well, I don't not believe, but I think we have subtle things that reinforce that Teddy is actually, is, is what the, what his character tells you he is. Mm -hmm. He has a terrible flat cut haircut. (laughs) <laughs> he drives like an old car yeah he's doesn't have the appearance of having lots of money mm-hmm. unlike the drug dealer guy jimmy that right. wears the really expensive suits and drives a nice jaguar um and so like there there's no reason to not think that he actually is an undercover cop and then telling the story and that or or not telling the story but that his what he tells leonard is not based on fact and so like he says 
like, dude, I was the cop that investigated your case. I was the only one that believed you that there was a second guy that got away and I helped you find that guy and you got him. And then you didn't remember like, and here's the picture I took of you in that moment. Right. Um, which is like Leonard covered with like blood and just like smiling gleefully because he finally achieved um, what he wanted. And so I think that's when the character Teddy realized in his story that he could use Leonard to continue to hunt down bad people because Leonard's drive was just unparalleled Mm -hmm. in finding people. And so all he had to do was kind of point Leonard as the weapon in the right direction because plausible deniability leonard wouldn't remember that he killed somebody right he would just wake up every morning in a hotel room and have to you know re-remember like where he's at with the case and stuff like that <sighs> you know i think i pulled a leonard and i was like you know what i'm I'm gonna ignore that piece of information which is what leonard ended up doing because he burned that picture right yeah yeah so he was like i'm just gonna ignore that so i can keep on doing you know I have a quest, this unending quest to find my wife's killer. I don't want that to end uh, because like he would forget and that satisfaction and closure would never come because it will always be deleted. But yeah, I, I think I did that. I was like, you know what? No, Teddy is the killer and now he's dead. Happy ending <laughs> or happy beginning. Oh, one in the same because like I totally rewatched the movie. I was like, okay, let me watch the first scene now. Well, I think there's even a cut of the movie that happens in actual progression of the events. Mm -hmm. It's not something I've seen. I think Um, it's on YouTube or somewhere. Yeah, or I think there was even like a DVD release that had you could watch it in either kind of way, um, which would be interesting. But I feel like it would detract dramatically from the story as a whole and just the experience of it all. Absolutely. Like it's definitely... A very memorable experience seeing it in this format rather than conventional linear formats. So, Joey, we reached the end of the show. And what we'd like to do on Syndicate is the off the fence. So I'm going to ask a series of questions. And we need to get off the fence, yes or no, definitively. So the first question I have for you is, were the actions of Leonard justified in this film, given all that he did throughout this entire plot? I'd say no. I I think um, from his perspective, they're totally justified and it's the only way he can find peace. Mm -hmm. But from a like analytical stance, he's never going to have peace because this is not something he can actually remember. And also just the reality that revenge doesn't actually satisfy, which other characters even mention, um, you know, to Leonard. But because he's not going to remember that and he can't remember that. And the only thing that's keeping him together is this drive to find his wife's killer. Right. Um, From his perspective, from everyone's perspective, they're they're well within their rights to do everything, including taking advantage of Leonard, including Leonard taking advantage of Leonard's condition. (laughs) Um, But I, I don't think that justifies his actions at all. I agree with you because like. From his perspective, trying to find his wife's killer, like totally, I think it's justified. Maybe his actions aren't too justifiable, killing people, because then he's no better than the person that killed his wife. But like being fashioned into a weapon by Teddy and then, you know, Carrie Ann Moss's character, um, like totally like his life is then unjustifiable because, I mean, he has... The benefit of the doubt because he doesn't know what he's doing because he doesn't remember what he's doing. So he's literally just, 
an object to these people. So his actions totally aren't justified because he's just like a giant gun for these people. I feel bad for him. That sucks. So my next question for you is, stylistically speaking, we kind of touched upon this. Did this film effectively communicate its message? I think that's a tough question because you'd first have to identify what the message of the movie kind of is. So, so I, go ahead. I guess what I'm getting at is, so like I've, I have not seen another movie that does this, maybe Dunkirk a little bit uh, with like the different time frames going on, uh, uh, coinciding at the same time of a memento, but like, it's like going forwards in time and then going backwards in time. Like each, like, in the like like act like each act maybe there's like eight acts and then but instead of like going forwards it's going backwards like okay eight seven six five four three two one mm-hmm. do you think so the overall movie is a thriller a crime drama you know a revenge plot do you think being it's unconventional do you think it still portrayed that message of like you understood what was going on oh yeah and i think it, especially with the beginning moving actually in reverse Mm. and then after maybe like the third scene after that then you're like okay yeah no this this makes total sense in setting up the scene that we just saw prior to this um and then you're like so how did we get to here you know the beginning of this scene and so then you're doing this game of remembering you know where things like ended right as you go into the next scene or where things began for each scene because then in the next scene where it ends is going to be picking up right where that kind of or, or overlapping with that prior scene. Right. And I think it caused you to kind of plug in even more and get more invested in the film because it's like, okay, I have to pay attention even more to mm-hmm. this story because like if you just like half watch it or not pay attention, you're going to be lost very quickly. And then you get to the end where the two progressing plots really meet as well. Mm -hmm. And so you have the black and white storyline coming towards the beginning of the colorized version. And then you have this critical moment in not just the storytelling of the movie, but also Leonard as a character when he really, you can tell he makes that decision to turn against Teddy in that moment. And so that's when you have the black and white uh, storytelling then become colorized. Yes. So you're kind of similar to Tenet in the sense that you're experiencing two separate journeys. Um, in this case, simultaneously for a single character rather than Tenet, which was trying to do for like two separate characters moving opposite directions. Yeah. Yeah. Like that was such a satisfying moment in the film where it went from black and white to color. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, yes. And it's kind of like, like the, tr- the true climax of the film too. So I thought that was amazingly effective and, you know, awesome to to see. So moving from there, do you think Memento, out of his all, you know, his entire filmography, do you think it is the strongest film? Probably not. I think it's I think it's very good, um, very well made, very interesting storytelling. Uh, I think I would gravitate towards Prestige as his uh one of his better works and then uh, also dunkirk and i think dunkirk is one of those movies where you have to watch them a couple times before before realizing just how good it is um because 
each of his movies, he's kind of setting up a situation that you kind of have to get used to a little bit because it's going to be slightly different from what you're, what you're very used to, but just the like moment at the end of Dunkirk where the watch stops and the characters are able to actually like rest Mm -hmm. and calm down is just a really satisfying moment for that story, which is also based on, you know, true, true events. Yeah. Unlike the rest of uh, Nolan's movie. So, I mean, uh, definitely Memento is one I'd rewatch, but I would put probably Prestige and Dunkirk above Memento. <sighs> Interesting. For me, Memento is definitely up there, but I don't think it's his strongest film. I think, like you said, there's a lot of hallmarks from Memento that, you know, are found in other pieces of his filmography and it shows. Um, so this movie is definitely important for his overall storytelling uh, techniques and aesthetic, but I don't think it's his strongest film. Um, hot out of the gate, like awesome, amazing film, but like, Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I think The Dark Knight is one of his stronger films. Um... I want to say Interstellar, but he fumbled the end so hard. Like, it was good. And it's like, oh, you messed up. But, like, what was that other film? Oh, Prestige. Yeah, I think that's a masterpiece. Start to finish. That's probably, even though people, like, sleep on that film, that's probably, like, his number one. Yeah. It's really hard to top that one. Yeah. I mean, Dark Knight would be the more widely recognized, but mm-hmm. I'd say Prestige would be the more the sleeper film in his, um, but they're both on, on the same, on the same level, I'd say just in, in different ways. I agree. So my last question for you, would you recommend Memento to a friend? Oh, definitely. I think it'd have to be someone that's already interested in either crime drama or thrillers Mm -hmm. or Christopher Nolan and like M night kind of movies Mm -hmm. in general. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if they're not into that, then they're just going to be kind of confused or, um, just let you know, disinterested in the story in general. <laughs> Why did the movie stop thinking for me? I don't know what's happening. <laughs> yeah, a little bit because it is kind of you have to put pieces together on your own, right. in a sense. And it's the type of movie though where 
you're not just going to watch the movie and be like, that was fun. And this part was fun. And this character was fun. <laughs> you know, you can actually have like a long conversation with people about the different themes and the different characters and the different manipulation and right. themes of grief and revenge, etc. Exactly. Yeah. I would recommend Memento too, like, but to a very specific person, like not everyone would like this movie, but for those that like, like the thrillers, like the crime dramas, like solving a puzzle on screen, in real time, mm-hmm. definitely check out this movie. Yeah. Like that was Memento. Man, I can't believe I slept on it this long. I'm glad I watched it now. It's such a great movie. I kind of want to watch it again. Are you ready to wrap this up? Yeah. Okay, let's do it. But that's it for this time on Syndicate. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We've been talking about Memento. Please check it out where it is available. And before we go, I'd like to thank Joey for coming out to the show. Thank you, Joey. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. I'm glad that you recommended this great movie today. But if you'd like to keep this conversation going, please add us on your favorite social media platform at Syndicate. That is Syndicate on Instagram, Twitter, and Letterboxd. Have Discord? Feel free to join the growing film community there at Syndicate.com forward slash Discord, where you can catch myself and other podcasters and listeners talking about this film and others. But if we miss anything during this conversation, please send us a message at info at Syndicate.com or visit the website, syndicate.com. Until next time, stop that scroll and spend more time watching. Goodbye.